Hebrews chapter 9, and uh, we are going to make haste this morning in God's Word and see what He has for us this morning. Today we've gathered to celebrate Veterans Day, and as it has been mentioned already more specifically today, we've, we really celebrate the 100th anniversary of Armistice Day, uh, the day that the Bells of Peace... Folks back then were hoping that those Bells of Peace would last forever, and yet Today we continue to really see our world in such a state of affairs that there is still no peace. Today we've set aside time to render our gratitude to our veterans, to the men and women who have selflessly served our great nation down through the ages. And for some, for some, for like me, it was a choice. A choice that some made to serve. For others, it was a command through the draft. Let me ask a question I didn't ask this earlier. If you served our country through the draft and you were drafted into service, would you raise your hand? Is there anybody here? God bless you. God bless you. Somebody else? God bless you. See, for some it was a choice. God bless you. I see you back there. For some it was a choice to serve. For others it was a command. But for all who have ever worn the uniform, I can assure you it was an answer to freedom's call. When I served in the United States Marine Corps for many years and then later with the United States Army, it was an answer to freedom's call. And listen, I looked and I saw that there was a need that was greater than me and so I served. Every veteran I've ever known, down through my service and those beyond my service, every veteran that I've ever known realized that serving this nation is always, always coupled and associates itself in some form or some fashion with sacrifice whether it was personal sacrifice or the sacrifice or a loved one or a family member, friends, co-workers, whatever it was, or the sacrifice of a nation. It's just part of being a veteran. In fact, years ago, former President Harry S. Truman said these words. He said, our debt to the heroic men and valiant women in the service of our country can never be repaid. They have earned our undying gratitude. Therefore, America will never, ever forget their sacrifices. Statistically speaking, I was interested to do some research this week, and I looked up how many veterans actually served. And over the course of history, since 1775, over 57 million people have served in our armed forces. It would interest you possibly to know that out of those 57 million men and women, over 45 million of them served during times of war. That 1.1 million people had given that last full measure of devotion or their lives in defense to procure, to produce, or to maintain the freedom that we enjoy, the freedom to gather here today, the freedom to worship It was interesting to me to note that the deadliest battle ever to take place on U.S. soil happened in July of 1863 in a senseless war known as the Battle of Gettysburg where over 7,000 soldiers lost their lives. While another statistic revealed that the largest and the bloodiest military operation in U.S. history happened in September of 1918 all the way, September the 26th, all the way till November the 11th, 1918, that Armistice Day, it was the Battle of Argonne Forest, in which in that battle, 
over 26,000 Americans gave their lives in an effort to bring World War I to a close. All in price, all as a, as a part of the price for freedom. It's been said that a veteran, not the preacher, has given us the freedom of religion. A veteran, not the reporter, has given us the freedom of the press. A veteran, not the poet, has given us the freedom of speech. It's the veteran, not the campus organizer, who has given us the freedom to assemble. Uh, the veteran, not the lawyer, who has given us the right to a fair trial. It's been said that it was the veteran, not a politician, who has given us the right to vote. It's the veteran who salutes the flag. It's the veteran who stands underneath the flag. When I think about it, I look at these colors to my left and to your right, down through the corridors of time. Thousands and thousands of soldiers, Marines, sailors, airmen, and coasties have given their life's blood so that I could be free, so that we could be free. In our country's 242 years, the price of freedom has never been cheap. And so today I want to speak to you on the subject that freedom is not free. Freedom is not free. It may be free to you, but somewhere along the line it costs somebody something for us to be able to gather this morning. Christianity, it's interesting to note that Christianity has been accused of being a bloody religion. The truth is that the word blood actually appears in Scripture over 450 times. From Genesis chapter 4 where Cain kills his brother Abel, all the way to Revelation chapter 19, we see the word blood occurring over and over and over. In the book of Hebrews, from which Travis read earlier, we find that the word blood in, in this one book alone appears 22 times and most often appears in chapter 9, in which we read. In fact, in chapter 9 alone, the word blood appears 12 times with more than half of the times it appears referring to the blood of the Old Testament sacrifices. History reveals that the Jewish religion was one of the bloodiest known to man. In fact, if you simply counted the official public sacrifices that were required under the law of Moses, the number of animals whose blood was shed comes to more than 1,270 animals a year. With a total, are you ready for this? With a total from the time of Moses to the time of Jesus Christ with more than 2 million animals shedding their blood. By the way, that's only the public sacrifices. That doesn't even, the 2 million animals doesn't even include personal and private sacrifices that were required under the law as well. Historian, I love his name, Titus Flavius Josephus. Isn't that a great name? Titus Flavius Josephus. He records that during one Passover around the time of Jesus Christ that some 256,000 or a quarter of a million lambs were killed. Sacrificial animals were bled to death. Sacrificial animals were bled to death. And sadly, this exercising of the shedding of an animal's blood was done over and over and over again, year after year after year. In fact, if you notice verse number 7 of our text, the Bible says, But into the second went the high priest once every year. And notice it says that when he goes in, 
It says, not without blood, which he offers. Notice who he offers the blood for. He offers it for himself and for the errors or the sins of the people. In fact, if you flip over a page in your scripture, maybe it's on the opposite page in Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 3 and 4 says this. It says, but in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance made again of sins every year. And so I simply ask myself a question. If the Old Testament law required that we sacrifice an animal's blood, why is there a remembrance every year? Why do we have to do it over and over and over again? Well, verse number 4 answers the question for us. Because verse number 4 says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats uh, should take away sins. Yes, if you and I were able to go back in time to the temple during the time of the Jewish nation under the Old Testament, we would see a lot of blood. In fact, blood would be everywhere. It would be everywhere we turned back in the Old Testament. This morning, here's the really, the really important thing for us to grasp this morning. This morning as we've gathered to spend some time recognizing our veterans and we've gathered certainly to worship most and foremost our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I think about this fact that it's the same Jesus who shed his blood for my sins, for your sins, and for the sins of the world. See, this was a, this was a, 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 a bloody thing. In fact, when we look in Scripture, it's laced through our Bible. Yes, the centerpiece of Christianity Jesus Christ dying on a bloody cross for my sin and for your sins. Now as we've gathered, we have the comfortable pews that we're sitting in, comfortable temperature, the lighting's okay, the music was phenomenal. We're thinking, well, I don't see the blood. Can I tell you that everywhere we look, we see the blood, whether you see it or not. In fact, if you notice right in front of me, we look at the Lord's table. I'm reminded of the Lord's table. And the Bible tells us this, that we remember how the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and verse 23 and following, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do ye in remembrance of me. And after the same manner, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament. What does he say? In my blood. This do you as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Oh, the bread represented just how his body was going to be broken, and the fruit of the vine represented that his blood was going to be shed. Oh, when we look at the Lord's table, we remember his sacrifice. We remember when we gather together, to, the, to, to celebrate and to observe the Lord's Supper. That's what we do. We remember what Jesus did in offering his life for you and for me. You know, I see the blood also. I look up at the cross on the back of the baptistry wall. I see the cross everywhere I look. If you go outside, in fact, look over here on the Christian flag. The cross is in the top left-hand corner. If you go outside, the cross is at the top of the steeple. In fact, we've got cross on the front of our building. The cross is everywhere. In fact, in our church logo, we have the cross. On our bulletins, we have the cross. In our first uh, uh, impressions team, we have the cross. Some of you may be wearing jewelry today that has a cross on it. And yet, while I'm so thankful Jesus Christ is no longer on that cross, 
The cross reminds us of the blood that he shed. Oh, the blood is everywhere. We may not see it, but we're reminded of it everywhere. I think about also, we go no further than to look at his word. We see the Bible, and when we see the Bible, we see the word blood. I've already told you that it appears 450 times throughout Scripture. The blood is laced throughout God's word. In fact, in his book, The Power of Blood of Jesus, Andrew Murray said these words. He said, it will become clear that there is no single scriptural idea from Genesis to Revelation more constantly and more prominently kept in view than the expressed words, the blood. Speaking of Jesus, he goes on to say this. He says, the blood was shed to unite us to God. Jesus' blood was shed to unite us to God. In the Old Testament, it was dedicated with blood. Speaks of animal sacrifices. And in the Old Testament, God's word points towards Jesus. In the New Testament, the Bible declares how Jesus Christ willingly humiliated himself to become the spotless and perfect lamb of God. Earlier I said this phrase. I said that sacrificial animals were bled to death. I was talking with my wife yesterday and I said, now let's just imagine it. In the Old Testament, sacrificial animals animals were bled to death. Now let's think about Jesus Christ for a second who became the perfect Lamb of God. Pardon my vernacular if you please, but he became the only sacrificial animal that God would accept for my sin and for your sin and for the sins of the world. Oh my goodness. Oh, freedom is not free, folks. Men and women down through the quarters of time have offered their life's blood. In the book of uh, Paul writes to the church at Philippi in Philippians, and the Bible says in verse number 7 and 8, he says, but made himself, he's speaking of Jesus when he says, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man. It says that he humbled himself and he became obedient unto death, even the death of a bloody cross. Oh, does it say that? No, it doesn't say bloody, but that cross certainly was a bloody cross that he died on. In the Old Testament, we find the word atonement over and over and over. In fact, do a word search. In, if you have a Bible program, do a word search. We find the word atonement over and over in Scripture. And that word actually means a covering. And what we see in the Old Testament, that the, the problem was that that animal's blood was only able to cover sin temporarily. In the New Testament, though, it's John the Baptist, right? In John chapter 1, when he sees Jesus afar off, he says, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away, what? The sin of the world. Oh, it's in the New Testament that the Bible reveals to us that it's only Jesus who could take away and remove our sin. And the, the phrase there, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, means that Jesus actually takes our sin. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ, let me give you some good news. Jesus actually dies on the cross for our sin, and then he takes that sin and he carries it away. He takes it away so that you and I are covered and washed in the blood of Christ. In the book of 1 Peter, Peter writes these words to those Jews that are dispersed all over the known world. He says in verse number 18 and following, 
He says, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by the tradition from your fathers. But notice what he says. He says, here's where you've been redeemed. Notice verse number 19, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was made manifest in these last times for who? For you and for me. Oh, we see the Lord's table, we see the cross, we see the Bible. And here's one that I didn't even put in my notes, but folks, we see one another. We see one another and we see the blood. If you're a blood-bought child of God, I can't help but to look at your life that's been changed by Jesus and then to be able to see the blood. In fact, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 22 reminds us that our evil conscience has been sprinkled with the blood that sets us free. That's the only reason we're able to draw near to God is because we've been set free. Everywhere we look, we see the blood. The blood of veterans, men and women down through time, the blood that they shed all in an effort to obtain and maintain our physical freedom. The blood of animals shed in the Old Testament according to the law in order to cover our sin. And then ultimately we see the blood of Jesus, the blood that he shed to take away and to remove our sins forever. And you may be sitting there and you may be looking at me and you may be thinking, the message, this idea, Pastor, that you're talking about of blood is grotesque. I really don't appreciate the message of blood. Can I tell you that you can't have Christianity without the blood? You can't have a relationship with Jesus without the blood. We wouldn't be gathering here this morning if it were not for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us all from sin. Listen, Hebrews 9 and verse 22, the Bible reminds us that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. The word remission there in this verse actually literally means freedom. Without the shedding of blood, there is no freedom. Freedom isn't free. It speaks of my pardon and your pardon, deliverance and forgiveness from sin. I can tell you this, sin is an enemy. It not only contaminates us, it subjugates us and it enslaves us at every turn. And it's crazy to me. But I run across people from all likes. And I hear people a lot of times saying, Hey, Pastor, I would trust Christ, but I don't want to be bound up. I don't want to be locked up by Jesus. I want to live free. I want to do what I want to do. I want to have the freedom to choose what I do. Can I tell you that without Jesus, you're already locked up in bondage? You'll never be free without Jesus. You'll always be trying to figure some other scheme out to make you happy. Can I tell you that without Jesus, you're already in bondage. You see, sin keeps us locked in bondage. It's only Jesus, folks, that sets us free. In fact, the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse number 2, he says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. In John chapter 8, verse number 36, Jesus himself said these words to these Jews who didn't understand. They said, listen, we'd be Abraham's son. There's no big problem here with us. And Jesus said, listen, if the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Oh, because of Jesus' blood, 
You and I can be healed. Isaiah prophesies about how Jesus was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes the Bible says we are healed. Oh, because of the blood of Jesus we can be healed. Because of the blood of Jesus we can be cleansed. In fact, in 1 John verse number 7 the Bible says in the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin. Oh, I like that song that the choir sang. What can wash away my sin? What's the answer? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, listen, we can be healed, we can be cleansed, we can be redeemed because of Jesus' blood. In Ephesians 1, verse number 7, the Bible says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to his riches of his grace. Oh, we can be healed and cleansed and redeemed. If you're looking for peace this morning, if you want to be reconciled this morning, oh, look no further than the blood of Jesus Christ. In the book, Paul writes to the church at Coloss, in Colossians 1, verse number 19, the Bible says, For it pleased the Father that in Him, speaking of Jesus Christ, should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of whose cross? His cross. By him to reconcile all things. Now what I want you to do is stop here where it says all things. And I want you to insert the idea, whosoever will. You see, because he's able to reconcile all things. But you and I have a choice. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. His blood is efficacious enough, it's powerful enough to really to uh, do all things, but we must call out upon the name of the Lord. Oh, we can be healed and cleansed and redeemed. We can have peace and reconciliation. We can actually have protection. You remember back in the Old Testament when Moses was telling Pharaoh, God says, let my people go, let my people go, let my people go over and over and over and over again. You remember before the last plague what God told Moses to tell the children of Israel to do? told them to take the blood and put it over the lentils of their door. In Exodus chapter 12, in verse number 13, the Bible says, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, that's good news, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Oh, we can have protection because of the blood of Jesus and lastly, we can be counted as righteous. Our righteousness, Isaiah tells us, is as filthy rags. But in 2 Corinthians 5.21, the Bible says, For he, speaking of God the Father, hath made him, Jesus Christ the Son, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, in Jesus Christ. The good news this morning, folks, is that because of what Jesus did, through his death, through his burial, and his resurrection. You and I can be free. Oh, hallelujah, we can be free. But the bad news this morning is that religion will never redeem you. Good works cannot cleanse you. Wishful thinking will not heal you. Heartfelt promises to God to say, God, I'll do better, will not bring you peace or protection. Only the decision in your heart. Only that decision in your heart to trust and place your confidence in Jesus Christ. To say, Lord, I repent 
of my sin. I want to turn away from my sinfulness. I trust that you died in my place for my sins. And I want to accept you as the Lord and Savior of my life. Only that heartfelt decision to call out upon the name of the Lord will change your life. Oh, freedom is not free. It costs somebody something. It may be free to you this morning, spiritually speaking, but to God it cost him everything. Isn't that what the Bible says? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.